Do you love audiobooks? You can get a free 30-day trial membership to audible.com by visiting audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. They have thousands of audiobook titles as well as podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. Get your free trial membership at audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of professional musicians of all types, touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. The podcast is officially launched, has been for, I guess, about two and a half weeks now. So I wanted to start out by just saying thank you for everybody who's listening and um, enjoying it. It feels like I'm getting some really, well, I am getting some, it doesn't just feel like it. I am getting some, some really good feedback and it seems like people are enjoying the podcast for the reasons that... I wanted them to, which is always a good feeling because it's been really fun for me to get to know my friends a little better and and my colleagues and be able to sort of, you know, showcase them. And it feels like everyone is kind of listening for those same reasons. So I guess mission accomplished. You know, it always feels good for it to be received for the reasons that I, I'm doing it. Um, I would like to ask one favor, though. If you guys are out there, no matter where you're listening, if you could, you know, give us a five-star rating and um, maybe if you have a little extra time to leave a review so that more people will be exposed to the podcast and, and be able to enjoy it as well. My guest today is one of those folks that is a great friend of mine, and he's also a great bass player. And we've uh, he's had a really diverse career, which is kind of paralleled mine in a way, in, in, in some weird ways. We, we talk all about it, but because uh, we, we've subbed for each other a bunch, um, but he's also gone from smooth jazz to rock to pop gigs and, and Disney gigs and country and you know bar bands and stuff. And uh, he's had a quite a great career, and he's worked really hard over the years to achieve it. Uh, right now, his two main gigs are Gwen Stefani and Shania Twain, so that's that doesn't suck. <laughs> but he's also played with Paulina Rubio, Daniel Powder, Mindy A. Bear and the Bone Shakers, Air Supply, Jeff Golub, Ali and AJ, Brian Auger, Shakira, Christina Aguilera, Peter White, Jackson Brown, and the list goes on and on and on, like a lot of guests. Um, he also has a solo record out called Let the Games Begin, and he is just now finishing up a new one called 11 Years Later, which will be out in early September. So enjoy uh, my conversation with my friend Derek Frank. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. And uh, especially in these COVID times showing up. We're, we're yeah. six feet away, I think. Yeah, something that's, like that. That's good. It's yeah. legal. Yeah, right on. Or within, <laughs> or, within the legal limits of uh, right. space, social yeah. distancing. Yeah, which is a trip, man. Like, it's illegal to do our job right now. 
Isn't that crazy? That's a little odd. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like Footloose, you know, where like music's illegal. Uh, I guess I was dancing was illegal. I don't know. Ooh, it's the cult of COVID nineteen. Yeah, crazy. Anyways, crazy. so you are currently doing two really awesome gigs. You're, yeah, you're a pretty uh, pretty lucky dude. I'm very fortunate. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So you were. Uh, and the weird part is, too, they both have Las Vegas residences. That was, uh, man, the, the planets aligned on that one. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Gwen absolutely. Stefani and Shania Twain. Yep. And you've been with Shania for a while. Been with her on and off for about five years now. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, so before that, though, you you were kind of, you were doing a lot of smooth jazz. I think we've had similar careers, in a sense. Like, I was a smooth jazz guy. You were a smooth jazz guy, and now we're both doing country gigs. And I, like, how we got from I, there to I, there is just... I, know. I feel like we both kind of dabbled in a lot of the same things. Like, yeah. you know, everything. I mean, you've done every kind of gig out there, and I feel like I have as well. You yeah. know, like yeah. smooth jazz stuff, rock, pop, teen pop. I mean, you know, yeah. you did High School Musical, and I did Allie and AJ and uh, Victoria Justice. Right. You've done like the Young Bubblegum Pop stuff, um, mm-hmm. cover band stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah, I feel like, and then we both ended up on country gigs. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so do you approach each gig differently or are you kind of, um, Derek, this is what I do and you just go and pretty and, much, yeah, I mean, I pretty much just do whatever the gig requires, which usually is just this, the same thing. It's just play the parts, you know, uh, perform, look like a rock star, you know, <laughs> right. you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just and just and just play the parts, play the songs, you know. And yeah. it's the same, no matter what kind of gig it is, whether it's like a you know pop thing, a rock thing, you know. Um, yeah, it's just uh, yeah. Just, but you don't have really a traditional country gig in the sense either, because no, I mean it's, it's very much a, a pop gig. It's, it's more of a it's pop approached thing. kind of the same way as a lot of the other pop gigs Got I, I've done, where you know you build the set and then the set never changes. Where right. it's like. You with Dwight, I know we've talked about like he changes the set all the time and you're, mm-hmm. you're expected to know like his whole catalog. Right. And he changes stuff up all the time, right? Um, not arrangement wise necessarily, uh, but but yeah, there's parts of the show where he he calls whatever he wants to call. <laughs> and yeah. You, and you got to know it all. Right. For right. sure. Yeah. I mean, Chennai is not really like that. It's like once we've, it, 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 well, in every tour that I've done with her, every kind of situation where it's Vegas residency, the promo tour, or, you know, like a tour tour, mm-hmm. it's you, you decide on the set list ahead of time, or she decides on the set list ahead of time and you work out all the transitions and intros and endings and all that stuff. And then that's it. Like it stays the same. Right. Like she never really shuffles stuff around. Mm-hmm. Same with Gwen. Like, well, at least when we do our Vegas show, it's been the same ever since we started. Like we rehearsed yeah. a certain order, stayed that. And then when we go do other shows, like corporate shows or festivals, sometimes the, the show length is a little different, so we'll change it up a little bit. But really, we're drawing on the same um, batch of songs, mm-hmm. you know, like 20 songs or something, and we may sh- shorten that, play fewer songs, you know. And do you like that? Yeah. I mean, it's it's cool to change it up sometimes. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I like when Gwen does other shows outside of Vegas because we get to do that. We get to do extended versions of some songs because oh, cool. in Vegas, there's a couple that we've that we've cut. Like, um, just so she can fit more songs in the show. Cause it's like a big greatest hits kind of show. Right. So some of the songs have, have been cut. The arrangements have been cut down to like a two minute version of the song. But then sometimes we go out and do a festival or something. We'll do the full version mm. because then certain songs, we won't do as many songs, but we'll do, you know, the full versions. Right. Yeah. But you always know what's happening or what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, sometimes 
like we don't really find out the set list till the day of the show. Got but, it. But we all know it. There's nothing. Yeah. She's not going to throw a song at us that we don't know. Right. She's not going to be like, what? You didn't listen to, you know, this B side right. off of uh, Tragic Kingdom, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I always kind of prefer that, honestly. It makes me yeah. at ease when I'm about to go on stage and I know what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you in know? sound check, you know, if it's a, a festival or something, sometimes we won't really know exactly what we're doing until sound check. But mm-hmm. then it's just like, okay, what version are we doing? Are we doing the full version or are we doing the Vegas version? Right. And right. Then, yeah, that's, that's easy. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, and did, did you rehearse a lot with Gwen? We did um, at first when we were building the Vegas show. We did we did like a month of rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and now we don't like. Yeah. Maybe we'll call a rehearsal here and there if like she wants to put together a new show for some of the corporate things we're doing or some of the festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, we might like have one or two rehearsals here and there, but it's it's not frequent at all. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we just rehearsed a month, got this show together and then yeah yes and she's real laid back oh cool like like even when we when we do shows outside of vegas um it's kind of like we just decide and soundcheck you know what the set's going to be and then like depending on the size of the stage you know whether or not we're moving up we're running out front or you know so it's uh she Mm -hmm. she's real laid back you know it's it's cool just makes it makes it fun and easy and shania rehearses well um, yeah, I mean the same thing for the before we did the Vegas residency, we put we built the show, we we put the show together, but we only rehearsed for I don't know maybe three weeks, so not as long as Gwen. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, then once <laughs> that once that show started, it's like for each leg in Vegas, we'll show up like two days before, and we'll do like two days of rehearsal. Gotcha. You like know, production just, rehearsal. Like, yeah, like in the venue, just make right. sure everything works, right, make sure right, everybody right, remembers right. where they're supposed to be and all that. You are amazing at like writing charts. You're a great guy to sub for. <laughs> Maybe I should go back even to that because the first time I ever played in Vegas was subbing for you, actually. Ah, Because okay. I moved out here. I went to high school with a girl named Kay Kelly. You went to college with Kay Kelly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she gave me your number and said, here, call my friend. And yeah. I called you up and, you know, we hit it off. You needed a sub. You called me. Super grateful. You know? That's right. That, was, a, that was Joe's band or MVPs. One MVPs, of yeah, yeah, yeah. At okay. the... Uh, Coral Reef Lounge yeah. in Mandalay, Mandalay Bay. Bay. Yeah, yeah, good times. Man, it was good, but that that gig kicked my ass a little because it, Dude, it, it was, was like eight thirty to two thirty in the morning, yeah. and high energy the yeah. entire time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and for five or six nights in a row. Yeah, yeah, and oh, and I man. you know I don't even want to mention what the pay was, but it was pretty low <laughs> for what it was. You right? Know? Yeah, it's like man. But for me at the time, yeah. I had just moved to town, really. So I was like what dude, yes i'll take it let's dude, go yeah and for any of us that are like young and we're just kind of getting going whatever like those gigs are fine like yeah it was a lot but i never complained about it like i wasn't like man this is too much i was yeah. just like man this is awesome I'm, I'm playing in vegas and getting paid and this is just what it is now i look back on it i wouldn't do that again <laughs> now right. that i've kind of reached some other you know yeah um you know my career has kind of grown from that and now the thought of that the thought of playing a five-hour oh, gig six man. nights in a row in the same venue you know for what the money was i was like yeah i wouldn't be able to do that now but at the time it was like yeah this is cool yeah, yeah. and that's what qualifies you as a dive bar rock star cool yep i've, <laughs> I've been in the dive bars yeah we all yeah, started in the trenches you know yeah, yeah. Yeah. but um but subbing for you is great what i was leading to is that because so well let me ask you this do you generally when you're preparing for a gig do you just chart things out regardless always of the gig always yep and and i know i'm going to memorize it but mm-hmm. for me like charting it out is a way to just like 
put it in my brain mm-hmm. before, like helps me kind of visualize it, like puts a vi- visual element to it. So I always do that, whether Great. it's Gwen, Shania, Air Supply, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I chart everything out and then I may use it for the, you know, first couple of rehearsals. And then it just kind of, you know, gets drilled into my brain that I don't need the charts anymore. But then oh. I've got them in case yeah. I need to sub the gig out. Right. And then it's like you make it so much easier for your sub because he doesn't have to spend, you know, a week learning a whole set of music. You know, you can give him the charts and it just makes it easy for him. Like, yeah, you filled in for me with air supply and right. I had all the charts and yeah. um, I, I, I had to I had to sub out some Gwen stuff a while back and, and I had all the charts for that as well. And right just, it just makes things easier yeah you know? yeah uh, yeah it's it's amazing but i'm all i'm I, I kind of approach it like if i really want to do the gig and it's a really fun thing it's easier for me to just memorize it because mm-hmm. the chart for me is like another step if i if i start with the chart it. i'm gonna have it's gonna be a crutch for the rest i, I played it. with greg karukas for eight years mm-hmm. and i read yeah. every single gig because mm-hmm. i just never got off the charts that's yeah, like another because you were able to you didn't you didn't have yeah, to memorize exactly it. yeah it was like <laughs> no, another I get it, step yeah. so i generally yeah. if it's like a gig that i know I'm, I'm not reading charts on it i'll just memorize it you uh-huh. know and i say that as if it's easy but i'll spend you know three eight to ten hour days memorizing it you that's know cool I mean? that's cool and uh, i do the same thing yeah the charts can be a crutch sometimes like yeah you know when i was playing in impulse another gig that we've shared right um, wedding band yeah wedding band great wedding band though mm-hmm. um yeah. like you know everything was charted out it or like yeah. a lot of them were like you know i charted them out or whatever but right. yeah a lot of stuff i'm i you know i, I never really memorized just because i didn't have to right because yeah. like because i had the charts no one gave a shit if i was reading or not everyone's you reading. know yeah. So I was just kind of like, yeah. And it's and the nature of the gig anyways, because they have a big book of charts. You show up yeah. and it's, they're like, yeah, 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 okay, totally. uh, pick a 156, yeah. you know? And yeah, because you're playing stuff with like string sections and horn mm, sections and it's yeah. different all the time. And it's kind of, you know, too much to memorize all of it. Right. But I, 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 there are other gigs that I do from time to time where I think, you know what, I, I should memorize this, but there are charts, so I'm using them. It's a crutch, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, it's great for the subbing situation. I came up from Denver and I worked there for 10 years before I moved here. And in Denver, you're kind of in a band. So I, hmm. the subbing thing doesn't never didn't happen when I was there. Right. So uh-huh. when I moved out here in general, it was weird to just like, oh, this whole subbing thing is a big, weird thing, you know? But especially for me as a person who, like, I said I was going to do your gig and I will be at your gig. That's not really how it works out here. Well, I mean, people are into so many different things out here that it's just... I mean, it's just the nature of the business, yeah. you know? Um, and I think, you, you know, you can have a whole career without having a regular gig. Yeah. You know, you oh, can yeah. just be a sub and, yeah. just, you know, just sub on a ton of stuff. Right. And we both go through that from time to time. Like when our regular gigs aren't happening, we'll just be subbing on different things, you know? Right. It's, but yeah. I think it, when it comes time for me to to have to sub out of something, I don't already have the charts. Like, you, you know, you mm-hmm. have it already mm-hmm. set up mm-hmm. so that the subbing thing just works uh-huh. so well. You know, uh-huh. I'm always... Happy to sub for you because I know cool. the, the and you gave me a you gave me a board or your in ear mix on oh, the yeah. air supply uh-huh. thing too. So because yeah, yeah. you sing some stuff, so uh-huh. you're like, oh, I turned up the vocals on this side right. and like and the bass is up on this side, and I was like, this is easy. Well, I know? just I just try to think like what would I want if I were coming into sub, yeah. and most of the time people don't do that for you, you know. Right. Sometimes it's like man, you it's like pulling teeth just to get any information at all. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I've just kind of like, if I need to sub out something to somebody, I, I want to think like, oh, you know, what would I want if I right. were going to cover this gig? Yeah. So I just kind of do that. And, and it just makes it easier. Then like, you, you know, your sub's going to do a good job because he has right. no excuse not to. He's like, he's got everything right there for him, you mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I yeah. I always also kind of think, and it's not necessarily true, but it just it's a good way of thinking for me. It's like my sub is representing me. So, yeah. it, you know, yeah. if I send a bad sub, that means I did a bad, bad gig. Of course. You know what I mean? Yep. So you, yep. there's that fine line between like send a sub that's good and it's going to represent you well, but not going to be better than me and take the gig. <laughs> so everybody, <laughs> so everybody says, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I generally uh, never worry about it because no. especially if a guy's better than me, he's got other gigs. You know, like I don't really, <laughs> right, right, I don't right, get so right. much into the competition of, of no, it. But, I, uh, I don't either, man. I just figure, you know, the guys that, that I call the sub for me, they're my friends. They're not going to be like in the artist's ear saying like, hey, I'm available, you know, if, you know, right. if you want me to do this next tour. It's like, I, I know guys aren't going to do that. Yeah. Because I, you know, they know. And generally gonna that's going to get you a yeah. bad reputation yeah, anyways. That's, that's it's not, not gonna, a good yeah. way to do business. Yeah. That's not going to work out for you in the long run. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you went to Miami University. Yep. University of Miami. Yeah, and uh, I always have to correct that because Miami, sorry. Miami oh, University. Oh, there is too. Yeah, there's there's a Miami University in Ohio, right? Which is weird, and then University of Miami, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So you went to the real one. I went to the one in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> and how was yeah. that? It's great. Um, a lot of good players. So many great players. Yeah, yeah great program, great players. I, I hated the city. Couldn't wait to get out of there. Got so I did my four years there, and then like I was I was gone. I had no intention of staying. Oh wow! It was just I just you know some places or a good fit for you and others aren't. And that was just at those places. It just never felt like home. Yeah. So yeah, I just did the college there, but man, so many great players. Uh, there's a lot of guys from Miami that I, from, from school that are here in LA that I play with a lot. Yeah. Still. You know, yeah. Still. So it's kind of like, I went to Berkeley. It's kind of that same thing. You get out here and there's a pocket of people that yeah. you can just plug into. Yeah. It's your, your network. I mean, that's kind of what, what kept me here is like, yeah. I, I came out here just to visit for a while where I was going to spend the summer here. My yeah. parents were living out here and, I was going to, this was just kind of a transition for me. And I had some friends from, from college that were here gigging and they were just throwing me gigs right away. And I was like, oh man, no, no need to go anywhere else. Like I should just stay in LA. That's cool. Yeah. So you didn't really ever dream of moving to LA and making it big. No, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I, for some reason I just didn't think of LA. Like my, Mm. my, my parents moved here when I was in college. And so I'd come to visit for spring break and stuff like that and holidays. Um, but after college, I went to Boston and was with with a girl, and she transferred to Berkeley. She was a singer, and I just went along because I didn't really know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. So I was like, yeah, I could I could gig in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, that did not happen. That, that's one of those cities where it's like you're at the time. It seemed like you're in a band that's working or you're not. Like yeah. like I was hoping I could just be like the freelance guy in the sub, but it just like wasn't working out that way. The gigs I did do were just like little jazz gigs that paid like 20 bucks, you know? Right, right, so right. I, you know, after less than a year, I, I decided to move. I was going to go to San Francisco. I had some friends there that were playing jazz and making a living at it. And that's mm. kind of where my head was at at the time. Gotcha. So I was like, okay, well, I'll go to LA first because I was flat broke. And I was like, I'll, I'll live with my parents and, you know, get a day job or something for the summer, save up a little money and then start again. But then I was, I was here for a couple of weeks and, I, you know, just decided to stay. That's cool. Yeah, glad I did. Yeah. It's kind of the similar thing. I came out to visit and I just immediately, I'm like, between the weather and and the gigs and the, the players, yeah. I was like, oh, this is yeah. this is home. There's a lot to like about LA. Yeah. yeah. And it, I think that's really important to just to people in general in their lives. You got to find the place where you, you're supposed to be. Yeah. Because you know, I was never happy in Denver. Mm-hmm. I always kind of dreamed of New York, but... Um, I don't know. It just seemed a lot harder at the, it, it was a lot harder yeah, at the time. Just living's harder in New York. Yeah, exactly. You know? Especially as a musician, you gotta, Man. what are you going to 
can't have a car. That's yeah. too expensive. So yeah. you're gonna you're gonna lug your gear on the subway. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, bass players like lug their upright bass in the subway and stuff. That never <laughs> yeah. seemed attractive to me. And I, I I never considered New York. Like I love going to New York and work, mm-hmm. working in New York and playing there and stuff. But like living in New York is just too intense. Yeah. 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 I, whenever I'm there now, I, I'm like, oh man, so glad I didn't do this. But then maybe maybe three hours after, I just I get the. You know, I'm originally from New York. I was born in Poughkeepsie, so. Oh, cool. Uh, but I didn't live there very long. But I always, it takes me, at first I'm just in shock. I'm like, the energy is so crazy. And, yeah. But after like three hours, I'm like, oh, okay, this is awesome. You know, I, I kind of yeah. get hooked on it. No, but it's cool. It's really cool. But but yeah, just uh, the money. I mean, it's expensive here. Mm-hmm. But it's expensive there, but you don't get near what you get here for the same yeah. expensive if that yeah. makes any sense yeah 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 i mean you can spend three grand a month in rent for like a closet in exactly Man- in manhattan yeah. whereas like out here if you spend that much in rent you can you can get you know a house yeah you know, you'll have a for, house for in the valley and, month you know yeah and it is expensive it keeps getting more expensive here yeah. but but i feel like you can at least get something with some sort of size and space you mm-hmm. know whereas new york everything's just so crammed oh, together you know man and now you'll be yeah coughing and sneezing a lot yeah i know right? <laughs> the covid yeah is pretty bad out there I mean, yeah i mean it's like a ton of people just you yeah know, you know huddled together you know it's mm-hmm. just like in this and compact they're walking city. they're on the street yeah. all the time like in here yeah. out here we're in our cars yeah you know we exactly. kind of have a natural isolation yeah. that happens yeah and there's just more space out here you yeah. know there's yeah. just like a ton of people crammed into a small area yeah you know? of course it's, you know of course it's going to spread there you know? yeah but you can drink all night it's so great yep Yes, you can. And I, I've gone down that route way too yep, many times. Yep, yep. I've never done that. <laughs> Living there would probably kill me. <laughs> so you were into jazz when you got out of college. Same with me. I was like mm-hmm. Mr. Jazz Guy, but well, I went naturally into the smooth jazz thing. And uh, mm-hmm. so you, you played with the Mindy A. Bear for a long mm-hmm. time and Jeff mm-hmm. Jeff Golub I saw on your thing. Yeah. That's I mean, pretty cool. All, all, the, uh, all the stuff in the smooth jazz scene that I did came from Mindy. I, I was never oh, yeah. really the guy that was like floating from artist to artist in that scene. Like I never got too immersed in it. Mm-hmm. Like I I kind of fell into it. Um, I was recommended uh, for Mindy's band by Jay Gore and Jamie Tate. Got um, you. Did an audition. She chose me. And then um, I was in her band. And then from being in her band, we played with other people. Like we did some shows with, like, you know, Peter White a bunch of times. And we mm-hmm. did a tour with Jeff Golub and uh, David Pack, which was really fun. Oh, cool. And from that, like, they would call me for their gigs sometimes every now and then I did a record with Jeff and, but I never got like too immersed in that scene. Yeah. Like there are some guys that are like, they just play with all the guys in that scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was me for yeah probably yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 years. Right. You're Greg and Keiko. Greg and, and Ke- yeah. yeah. Keiko was, I was yeah. 12 years with her. And, oh yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. It was, and it was cool. It had a lot of great experiences and you got to play. Sure. And yeah. uh, so They're coming out of that and into a, pop thing was that um something that you did intentionally or did that just happen or? well i had already kind of been um in the pop circles a little bit like i prior to mindy i i had done the uh, ali and aj thing you know they were a, a disney act hollywood records mm-hmm. with them for a couple of years and from that yeah. i went from that i went to dancing with the stars i was doing the dancing with the stars tours right um <laughs> and then after that is when i uh when i hooked up with mindy um, so I was kind of doing some diverse stuff before yeah, that. And then right. and then while I was with Mindy, I was also doing some 
doing some pop gigs. Like some other things came up and Mindy was cool about me leaving to go do a tour with somebody else. Like the Victoria Justice thing came up and I did two summer tours with her. Very cool. And then Air Supply came up and mm-hmm. I kind of did that. I was kind of like juggling yeah. juggling Mindy's gig and Air Supply and Victoria and all that for a little bit. Um, yeah. That, and then some of the other stuff came up. I remember you coming to my birthday. We were hanging at the One Up or something and hmm. and I was like, cornered you and I'm like, dude, I heard you got the Air Supply gig. <laughs> I'm a total nerd air supply fan since I was like 12 years old. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> you got to let me sub on this gig. If you ever need anybody, just let me do it once. I just so I can say I played right, with air right. supply. Well, yeah, and, well, that's uh, what it, when when the when I did need to sub some stuff out, I was like, I got the guy. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you know, it just so happened like I subbed out that first week, and then I was supposed to do another week, and then in between Dwight Yoakam called and yeah. so I had to sub out of subbing out of you right, you know right. and, oh my yeah. gosh it happens um, it, it was I was I felt bad about it but it's one of those instances which is just how it works out here it's like I can't yeah you know I got this is a steady gig you know yeah. and, and, and most people not, understand and, like, yeah when that when yeah. that comes up like most people do understand like that was kind of the thing with Mindy like when when kind of higher profile things came up and I was like ah I'm going to have to miss, you know, a bunch of stuff. She was always just like, go do it. I get it. Like, right. you know, it's good for your, good for your resume, good for your yeah. bank account. Like go do it and come back. You know? Right. Right. And I think most artists are, you know, will, will understand that. Yeah, you know? for sure. You know, And did, so working with air supply though, was a, also a great thing that it's like, they say, don't meet your heroes, <laughs> but those guys are just awesome. So great. I yeah. couldn't even believe it. Like, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm in my late forties and I'm meeting these heroes from my childhood and, and I do this professionally. We meet people all the time, but sure. that was just like, I can't believe th- they're standing there and yeah. like they're, yeah. they're praising me because I did good on the gig. You know, it was such a great experience, but it was, yeah. it was fun working with those guys. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're just so down to earth and laid back They're of all the artists that I've worked with. They're probably like the most just down to earth, you know, it's yeah. like you can joke around with them, you right. know, Right. Yeah. <laughs> I always just bring up this one thing when when Russell paid me a hundred bucks to tell him to fuck off. <laughs> so, you know, there's just like you can just joke around with these guys and they're hilarious and you know. And that's so cool. And I yeah, I mean I yeah, they're they're cool. Cause I you know, I don't have the same relationship with other kind of superstar pop artists that I've worked with. A lot of, there's a lot more separation sometimes where yeah. you know, you don't have that comfort level, you know, right. you do with those guys. And so it was just cool that they were that laid back. Like I you know, but before I went and played with them, I talked to Graham on the phone for a while. And then uh, they had That's me come cool. out to Vegas to check out their show. And we had drinks afterwards. And it's just, you know, they're just totally cool. That's awesome. Yeah. They're just guys that just love doing what they do. I mean, they've been doing it for 45 years now. And yeah. they do 120 shows a year. Just total road dogs. And yeah. uh, and they just they just love what they do. And the fans are great they have diehard fans all over the world yeah yeah so that's pretty cool yeah well i, pre- I, I will always be in your debt for letting me sub on that gig <laughs> right on man well you, well, you obviously did a great job they loved you and, you know well yeah. thanks yeah um you also mentioned dancing with the stars it's kind of a uh-huh. funny story because you were out on that tour one time and monique coleman was on there and my wife she was my girlfriend at the time was personal assistant for monique coleman yeah so i had gotten off the road with somebody at some point it was probably corbin blue at that point uh-huh and monique was like just tell eric to come out because she had her own bus and she's like just tell tell eric to come out and hang out so i ended up just going for two weeks and staying on her bus and just being the guy in charge of like where's the party tonight yeah, yeah. and uh so we ended up kind of hanging out on that tour yeah yeah that was fun under that was cool. weird circumstances yeah but that was a cool coincidence yeah you know? it was pretty yeah. fun 
I just yeah. remember though, like w- one night I was like, come on, man, we're going to party. Let's go do this. And you're like, uh, we're in this big video game tournament in the back of the bus, man. I'm, I'm just going to be really playing video <laughs> games. It's <laughs> funny. And I'm like, come on, man, we're partying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. We, we got into some pretty heated, uh, mortal Kombat tournaments with some of the dancers. I remember <laughs> that, was, yeah. that, that, that was a good time. Those tours were great. I did three of the tours and, uh, it was really cool. They took good care of us, and the band was great. And, yeah. And most of the most of the stars that we that were out there were really cool. Like, yeah. All hung out. And, you know, Monique was really cool. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it's it's similar in a way. I mean, I did the High School Musical right, um, tours, right. and it's like a TV show. Really, they were TV movies. Mm-hmm. You're a TV show. Right. So the budgets are different. Mm-hmm. They're not making their money off of this tour. Yeah. There's other stuff. There's like sponsorships and it's, you know, yeah. there's TV money involved. And yeah. So they end up being cool. pretty cushy gigs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Treated nice. Yeah, that was a super cushy gig. Wayne Newton was on that. Day. Yeah, I just yeah, remember yeah, yeah. I went to Staples Center to see you guys when you're in town because Mo- okay. Monique was still considering doing it and they're like come out and see the show or she had just agreed to do it so she's like they come out because that was the other interesting thing about that is like stars came in and out mm-hmm. as you were going yeah like, it wasn't every people. night wasn't the same thing no, like even the rotating. two weeks i was there there was i can't remember exactly who was coming in and out but it just seemed like it was kind of always moving mm-hmm. but i remember being at stables and, and wayne newton and I'm like oh what's this old guy gonna be like and that guy comes out and this entire stadium of people are just just enthralled like he, yeah. he's like oh this is old school he's royalty man oh my yeah. god and his just his presence just standing on stage was, uh-huh. just blew me away i was like i'm getting chills just talking he's, about it like he's yeah. just incredible it's like that old great. school entertainer thing mm-hmm. it, i don't it's i don't know that it exists anymore really he's the guy yeah. that would like sing a love song like frank sinatra i always say this mm-hmm. about him he'll sing you the, the sweetest love song but then he'll kick your ass you know right, like, right, right. he has this tough guy <laughs> image but he's nice uh-huh. it's just a weird mafia maybe presence i don't know sure yeah yeah but uh, wayne, wayne was super cool he was he was one of my favorites from all those tours because yeah. he was just a super nice friendly guy he had us all over to his house in vegas we had a day off in vegas and he had a little like barbecue i want to say barbecue but it was like you know his catering staff cooked for us you right, know like right. in this, he has this huge ranch in vegas and yeah. uh it was cool he just he's just a super nice guy his wife is really nice and they were they were just a, you know a joy to be around total class yeah. act and I, I think the other thing about those guys is there wasn't any like oh I gotta sing this song again like he's gonna come no. out and do Dunkashin and he's gonna do it with all the joy that totally. you, that he's done every night and he's give he gives totally. and gives you know it yeah. just feels like there's no bitterness or jadedness he's happy to be yeah. able to do this song again. Yeah, he's you not know? like one of those guys that you, you would that go out there with a smile, then immediately get off stage and light a cigarette and be like, "Oh God, this sucks." You exactly. Know? That yeah. guy, he's like what you see on stage with him is like just him. Yeah, you know, and people would always, would always ask that. They'd be like, mm-hmm. "Is he? Is he? You know, how is he off stage? You know, is he like dark and bitter and jaded, or is he just like genuine?" I'm like, man, he's just a nice guy that obviously appreciates what you know opportunities he's had in life and yeah you know he's a great grateful guy you know and uh really nice to the people around him yeah yeah can't say enough I'm, good things yeah and as a musician and a professional it's like i'm always looking at the old guys and being like mm-hmm. it's just a joy to see people still having fun like i yeah. saw the rolling stones a couple of years ago yeah 
And it was the same thing. It's just like, how many times have you played Satisfaction? But right. they look like they're having a blast, oh, yeah, you know? Totally. And they're still totally. doing it. And like, totally. I don't know. I hope that when I'm old and playing a dive bar somewhere, I'm still in, enjoying it. Totally. I tried to. I mean, I, I looked to people like that just for inspiration yeah. as to just how I should be, you know? Right. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, it, and I re- it reminds me of this one um, this one uh, Instagram post I saw. Like after after a lot of shows, like I'm always looking at Instagram just like, hashtag whatever artist I'm playing with just to see if there are any good pictures, you know? Mm-hmm. I remember on an air supply tour, I was like looking at the air supply hashtag on Instagram, found this one post and this guy said that like he took he took his girlfriend out on a date there as a joke because he thought it was going to be like super lame, like these old guys singing these love songs and and he was just wow. like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm saying this, but air supply kicked ass. And it, like just <laughs> he was like said a lot of good things about like Graham and Russell and how they talked to the crowd and stuff. I was just like, yeah, yeah, it's cool when like someone is just like surprised like that. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. They expect somebody to just kind of like phone it in. Yeah, but then when they like kind of really bring it, they're like, man, this is yeah. awesome. And they've designed cool. that show to not be cheesy. It's a great show. Like I, I no, took my uh, my wife, my young wife. She's ten years younger than me, so generally the music I like is not the music she likes. Right. And Air Supply right. is still, you know, older music for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm like, you know, you've never seen the show. You should just have to. They were playing close on uh, Valentine's Day. So I'm like, mm-hmm. this is perfect. Anytime, anytime you're going to see a cheesy yeah. love show, Valentine's Day is the day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, it, and I just knew, and it kind of happened that the exact same way. By the end of the show, she's like, well, all right, that's great. You yeah. know, because they're great performers. It's mm-hmm. a great show. And yeah. a lot of their arrangements have been, you know, we were talking about that the other night. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of the arrangements are a little over the top. They're not like the record. No. But but in the course of a show, it kind of makes sense, you know, because you can't just sit and listen to ballads for, yeah. for yeah. two hours. They you have know? to make it exciting. They have to figure out a way to make make the songs exciting for a live show. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to put the record on and, you know, you're you're having a candlelight dinner or something and it's appropriate, you know, but like yeah. in a live show, yeah, like you can't just like play ballads and yeah. expect people to like be enthralled, you know? Yep. Yeah. So I think uh, it's a pretty satisfying show for anybody. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we should just talk for another three hours about how much I love Air Supply. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I nerding out too much? Anyways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We had a conversation um, probably a few years ago about... Because I was in playing in a wedding band, Impulse, kind of full time. You had left to do Shania and stuff, and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna get out of debt doing this wedding band, and then I'm gonna get back on the road." Because I had kind of done the road thing, and I I took some time off to get married and spend some time at home, you know. And then I was like four years in, and I'm like, "I got to get back on the road." And I'm like, "So this is my plan. I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna get back on the road." And you were like, "You know, yeah, but the gigs come when they come. You know, you can't really." force that situation or you don't just go yeah. get a gig necessarily and and i was like at the time i was like i'm not sure about if i if i believe that or not you know what i mean like i think yes but i think intention is kind of important and like sure i think that what you do on a regular basis just by being a professional and being out there and talking to people and all that stuff um is how you continue to get gigs. So maybe you're not saying, I'm going to play with the Rolling Stones and you go get that gig, but by sort of doing all the stuff that you do, mm-hmm. you you do get gigs. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. It's not just yeah. about, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Sit back at home, wait for the phone to ring. And I mean, I wish, I wish it were like that, to where like when you decide you want to go do a good road gig, you right. can go get it. Right. Uh, you know, for me, like chasing after a gig never worked. Like there were mm-hmm. times when like I heard, I would hear that, 
you know, somebody was putting a band together for a tour or something and I'd call the MD or something and say like, hey, I'm available. That never worked for me. The the gigs that I got were just came up randomly from like, you know, uh, some other gig I did around town with somebody and they're like, hey, uh, I think, uh, you know, this might be happening. You know, would you be interested? I'm like, yeah, cool. It'd be great. You know, or just like somebody just thinking of me and recommending me. But I've never oh, yeah. gotten like actually gotten a gig by intentionally chasing it down, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think um, I think you're right. Intention has something to do with it. If you're like putting yourself out there, if you're kind of showing up around town, if people know that you're you're around, you're available, you're not on the road, um, you know, that that can lead to people thinking of you when an opportunity comes up right you know? right yeah right and, and that just you know that's just kind of expanding your network i feel like the more people you know and the more good relationships you have with other like-minded musicians you're increasing your chances of somebody thinking of you when something comes up right you know? right 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 and i mean it probably you know that that's just how it worked for me like it, it that that whole thing about chasing gigs, maybe that happens for some people. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's no right or wrong way. Or there's no definite way to make things happen in this town. It's like everybody's got kind of like a different way of doing things. And mm-hmm. what works for somebody might not work for somebody else. True. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Absolutely. And how much do you think, this is something that as a jazz player and then trying, because for me, I sort of really tried to transition out of that because I, I, I did a lot I was doing a lot of smooth jazz that was my whole mm-hmm. career for a while mm-hmm. and then I was playing with Lee Rittenauer we opened up for Kenny mm-hmm. Loggins mm-hmm. and I watched Kenny Loggins um, play and I was like I'm a singer like how did I get stuck in all this instrumental music which is fun and it was neat but I'm like ah oh, man I want to write songs and other. it just changed my whole direction and it took me a long time to get to where I am now where I'm playing with a great singer songwriter and I sing every night and that's really mm-hmm. kind of the the majority of the work on the gig for me is the singing I mean I play bass but mm-hmm. it's a pretty traditional country gig so that it's yeah. it doesn't require a ton of chops you know sure. as far as sure. the bass it's more of a singing yeah. thing but um just transitioning from there to there, some of the things that that struck me is like, for one, the look thing com- becomes a lot more important. Like in jazz, it was <laughs> yeah. kind of like, if you had a cool shirt, just wear it every gig right. because it's really about leading <laughs> with your playing. And like, right. you got to be a great player. And that's what sure. I was my whole world for like, yeah. I don't know, 20 years, really, if you count Denver. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we get to a place where it's like, oh, it's not exactly about the playing. Mm-hmm. And I've found if I go to Melrose and I spend fifteen hundred bucks on some clothes, now I'm getting some different kinds of gigs. You know, dude. Right. Does that feel? I know that you. It. it you know, you you t- tend to you have a look when you're on stage, and that's something that you know it seems like you you have put a lot of care into. Sure. I mean, how how much how important do you think that is? Well, compared to the the bass playing itself, unfortunately. It's really important. And for a lot of artists, it's more important. And I've mm-hmm. learned that, you know. And it's not necessarily um, a judgment call. I'm not trying to call anybody out on anything. No, no, it's no, just, that's, that's just the way really it is. It was really interesting to me that I had to shift gears in what I was mm-hmm. leading with, sort of. Yeah. You know, I got to show sure. up with a look first. For and sure. And then before they're going to hear me play. Yeah. I mean, a lot of artists choose their players based on pictures mm-hmm. and videos. Like, no one wants to hear audio. They, they don't say, like, oh, send me some MP3s or something. They say, like, send me some photos and videos. Right. And a lot of artists would just be like, yeah, he looks cool, you know, right. and, and, it, and it is yeah. unfortunate because music should always be first. And I've always thought that I've always approached music that way to where like, that's the most important thing always. But for a lot of artists, it's more image. So 
you know, you got to be flexible in that, in that, like, you know, you can, you can, um, kind of fit within, uh, that artist's image and what, what they want, you know? Right. Um, you know, they want people that, that looks like, look like rock stars, you know? Yeah. And do, do you generally think about an artist when you're, are you dressing per, for the gig or are you, did you say, I'm going to just have a look and I'm going to look badass, which you do. Thank I'm you. not hitting on you or well, anything. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm, and then people are going to pick me or like when you went, did you have to, well, here's another conversation probably, but did you have to audition for Gwen Stefani? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So did you, when you showed up, did you think I need to dress like that gig or did you just say, this is my look and this is what I'm doing? I, I had already kind of like gotten a look for myself that I liked. Like mm-hmm. as time, like when I was younger, I didn't really know anything about clothes. I didn't, I just was unobservant when it came to that. I just kind of wore jeans and t-shirts and whatever, and just didn't really give a shit about it. And as time went on, like, I, I think, um, when I was doing the Ali and AJ gig, I was working mm-hmm. with an MD zoo. I don't know if you ever knew zoo. Yeah. Cause I, I went on a tour with Corbin oh, and Blue and Allie and AJ right that, after you quit. That's the tour that I wasn't on yet. That's right. I yeah, forgot about that. When I saw okay, that, we were going to be, right. it was like a yeah. triple bill with Drake Bell. Right. I uh, remember that. Corbin, Blue and Allie and AJ. And I saw that was, that was going to be the summer tour. I'm like, cool. Yeah. We'll be out all summer with Derek. Yeah. But then I wasn't. That, yeah. That, that's when Dancing with the Stars came right. up and I, I just opted to go on that tour. Um, but, but Zoo was the MD. Um, on my first Ally and AJ tour, and he was just totally into clothes. Like that guy would have like a stylist bring him clothes to rehearsal and stuff like this. Oh. And I just saw how much he thought about it and like right. you know put into it. And I was like, you know what? Like it, it is important. Like you know, you're you're on stage. You're you're expected to look like a rock star. And like from then on, I started thinking more about clothes and paying more attention and and you know shopping more and looking at stuff. And I think I just got to a point where I'm like, I found certain stuff that I liked that I was comfortable wearing that I thought looked cool. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of like created my own kind of look, you know, yeah. um, you know, which isn't like over the top. I just, you know, right. I, you know, the kind of clothes that I like are like John Varvatos and stuff. Like mm. I like the kind of like really up, expensive, like, <laughs> right. but, but like, <laughs> but just kind of like the upscale rock star stuff right. where it's not right, over right, the right. top. Right. Like, you know, I, I never got into like the whole hot topic look, you right. know, the emo kid look. I just kind of like that adult rock star kind of look, mm-hmm. you know? And so I just kind of like, that just became kind of my thing, you know? And so like, when I go to audition for somebody, I just dress like that, like dress how I normally dress. Like that's how I dress when I go out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I just kind of got to the point where I'm like, you know what, this is, uh, th- this is kind of my look. So this is what I'm going to wear to the audition, right, right. you know? Because I did... Um, overthink it for a bit. I think I, d- I did some auditions where I would look at at the artist and look at their bands, like look at YouTube stuff before I auditioned to be like, oh, these guys kind of dressed kind of outlandish, and you know that's stage wardrobe. That's a little different, you know. Right. But like I started to kind of overthink it, and I think I dr- I think I went too hard on some auditions, like with the way I dressed and stuff. Mm, interesting. And I know that um, I did that on a Macy Gray audition, mm. like because like her band kind of looks, uh, you know, kind of kind of funky, you know, like. And and I kind of went a little bit over the top. I'd like combat boots and suspenders and shit. And, you know, right. I did this audition and I felt great about the audition and like, you know, knew all the stuff, you know, got my backgrounds together. And I could tell from the get go that she just didn't dig me. She just wasn't really giving me the time of day. Yeah. And she told the MD just like that, that I forget what she said, but it was just like, I don't see me vibing with him. And, and mm-hmm. I, and I, and I know it was just because I was like, kind of went too hard on the clothes you know i overthought right. it you know right or if you know if i just like went as as myself you know mm-hmm. maybe it would have worked out i don't know but like yeah i think i just kind of overthought it for a while 
and then just got to a place where I'm like, you know, what, I like that. Like, this is the look I like. And I'm just going to, if I audition for something or do a gig, I'm going to, I'm going to wear this. Cause this is how I feel comfortable. You know? Right. Yeah. Cool. And, and then like when you do a big tour, like a Shania or a, uh, or a Gwen or something, there's wardrobe, you know, right. they have, they yeah. have a certain look they're going for. Mm-hmm. And luckily they've, they've given us some freedom as well. And so they can just say, well, this is the look. It's going to be black. It's going to be this. We want like a military vibe. We want this. Right. And then we can just take those parameters and like put our, you know, our stage outfit together. Right. You know? No, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. I've been having wardrobe for so long. I don't even know. I don't yeah. know how to dress myself anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, takes, Dwight, the Dwight wardrobe, man, that's, yeah. uh, that's intense. Yeah, we've got jackets. With the rhinestone jackets. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah country, that's pretty man. cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I love it because it's like, old school country on the top totally. but then we have skinny jeans and beetle boots right, right, right. so it's kind yeah. of mod you know at the, on the it. bottom you know yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun super cool but and it also takes the pressure off of having to dress myself so absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean when you're when you're on a gig that like provides wardrobe for you it's great and you don't need to travel with stage clothes and you know yeah it's yeah cool. I'm a so there are a lot of us out of work right now uh waiting to get back to playing shows and touring and I know I've had to do whatever I can do to take my mind off the situation from time to time. And one of the ways to pass the time is to catch up on some books you've missed. But if you're like me and you don't love to read, (laughs) there's another way you can consume. Audible.com has thousands of titles to choose from, including audiobooks about music production, songwriting, the music business, music theory, instructional audiobooks, and biographies of your favorite musical heroes. But besides audiobooks, you can also listen to podcasts, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive audio originals you won't find anywhere else. Right now, you can get a free 30-day trial if you visit audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. That's audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar, and you can catch up on your audio reading. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening to the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast. As a new podcast, getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep the show on the road, uh, or off the road, as the current case may be. If you would like to support the podcast, all you got to do is subscribe wherever you listen. And if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also share and follow the podcast on your social media apps. Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having fun. And once again, thank you for listening. You mentioned the wedding band that we played in. It's another thing that we that we have in common, you know, just that we can play those gigs. And when we're off the road, it's a great source of income. Sure. Um, but I feel like you've also used it, like you play key bass all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Not really. Like you started a while back, but I didn't know you as a key bass player, but I feel like didn't you kind of start doing that in the impulse gig and i started doing it a long time ago i think i started oh, doing gotcha. it like in another cover band i was in mm-hmm. um and i, I just kind of got interested in it and also you know like pretty much on every pop gig you would see the bass player playing key bass so yeah. i think like early 2000s i started getting into it and when i was in another cover band i was doing that and then i was in this original band for a bit that was like kind of like a cool jazz hip-hop blend thing and i played a lot of key bass in that mm-hmm. um and so when i joined impulse the wedding band um, I just started, I, I started bringing the key bass along because we did a lot of contemporary stuff and seventies stuff that had mm-hmm. key bass yeah. on the recordings. And I kind of looked at it as, as a, as an excuse to get my programming together and get right. my playing together. I just figured like I'm using the cover bands for that 
would yeah. like, kind of prepare me for the real world a little bit, right. you know. Which I think is really smart because I I generally don't enjoy doing that kind of work, but obviously you can, you got to. It pays really well, and if you you know, it's sure. a good it's a good thing to have. It's just another gig that I can do. It's a smart thing to take that and and work on your skills there too, and use it for something bigger, so that you're getting something more out of it than just the the, the three or five hundred bucks that you're going to get at yeah. the end of the night. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's kind of how I thought about those gigs. Like, I mean, sure, it's 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 a good way to fill in the gaps. Money's good, you know, all that. But like, I was like, okay, well, how can I take this and and gain from it? You know, um, not just monetarily. How right. can I how can I hone my skills? How can I come out of these gigs being better than I was before? Right. So. Um, I didn't need to. I, I didn't need to do any vocals in Impulse. You have four badass lead singers up front, so like right. vocals were never required of me. No one asked me to sing, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just um, work on my synth based stuff. You know, and yeah. just try to get my programming together. Try to uh, you know match the sounds on the records and try to try to you know build a library of sounds, which yeah. I have. And then that those all those sounds that I built from doing those gigs, like that's come in handy on other gigs. Like when I've had to do stuff with Gwen or Shania, mm-hmm. like kind of the programming was already there for right. other, you know, other tunes that I had to program sounds for. That's you know? great. So it was, yeah, I just kind of always looked at those gigs as a, as a way to um, just hone my skills for something else. Yeah. Cause I, ne- I never wanted to stay there. I never wanted to stay like that be my career. It was always mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. this is great for the time being. Right. And this is filling in the gaps, but I want to, I want this to, to make me a better musician somehow. Right. Yeah. yeah. And for me, it was like the reading in that band that you mentioned before. It was, it was pretty intense. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to get better. Yeah. And Bernie Dressel was on on it at the oh, time. Man. And yeah. it's just like keeping up with him and reading those yeah. charts. It's like it, it was really, really, really challenging. And after sure. after yeah. going back and doing it for a couple of years, uh, you know, it made me better. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good, good thing. You know? So you have probably one of the most extensive collections of gear that i've of <laughs> anyone i know <laughs> keeps on growing yeah how many bases do you think have you do you have an inventory list i do i think it's between 25 and 30 wow yeah, yeah. i mean I, I know guys that have more than that like yeah. I've, I've got a buddy in new york who's um he doesn't play for a living uh but he's a collector and mm-hmm. he's got like 150 bases yeah. now and right. they're just like scattered everywhere. He's got like some at his in-laws' house, some at his New York apartment. He's got a lake house up in Massachusetts. He's got like fifty there. <laughs> yeah. So we all we're always talking, you know, nerdy about gear and stuff. Right, and, right, right. Um, but yeah, my collection is kind of has grown to about yeah maybe almost thirty. And so, how know. do you pick what you're going to bring to a gig? Um, yeah, just kind of think of what what would be the right you know, situation for the gig, what kind of, you know, bass and amp and effects and all that. Um, and a lot of times if I, if I think there's something better than what I have, I'll get it, you know, uh-huh. like that's usually when I, when I buy instruments is when I have a gig. Right. I don't, I don't usually buy them when I'm just like, you know, not working because that's a bad time to spend money on gear. <laughs> Unless like when they I, have two necks. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unless COVID hits <laughs> and you're drunk looking on reverb and you see a double neck steinberger copy yeah, yeah. yeah i mean i haven't done that but somebody uh, yeah. yeah i'm gonna this guy i, I know yeah <laughs> I, I went to dinner at your place the other man, day and i meant to uh, try to play oh, it, but yeah, i we forgot all about it, it. yeah uh, another I'm time like, i gotta play that bass that another just looks time. cool yeah. <laughs> and it's fretless on the top yeah and uh yeah. fret on the bottom so, yeah which to me is like a great idea it'd be 
I mean, I don't know about the Steinberger part, but it would be a great smooth jazz bass because you could go back, you know, just sure. solo yeah, yeah, like yeah. you just yeah. never have to change basses. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm like the opposite. I'm like a one bass dude. Like I have now, I have a five string. Yeah, you got a bunch here. I yeah, I have like ten, but um, I, more of I use them in recordings or they're just older basses like that modulus over there. And I'm in yeah. my studio now, so I'm pointing yeah. anyways. Cool. That that was like my main smooth jazz bass forever. And yeah. I was an endorser. Awesome. Um, but then I got the um, Stingray. Yep. And Those I went to that for another five or six years is all I played. Uh-huh. And then I got a Fender Jazz five string. Uh-huh. And that's kind of my still my main axe. And I have the P that's a uh, five string. Yeah. But um but so it's, it makes it easier for me. And I also sure. think that's another thing that sort of struck me once I got out of the smooth jazz thing because the smooth jazz in particular, it's like if you just have a cool tone, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. I felt yeah. like. Yeah, 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 Whereas yeah. now I'm in the country thing and it's like, oh, you need a P bass with flat wounds and mm-hmm. you need, you know, there's a certain sounds from certain mm-hmm. records and that's what that sure. or, or, or modern sure. rock. You know, it's a much more like, no, I want that vintage sound from that thing and that thing. Uh-huh. Whereas I feel like the smooth jazz thing anyways, or contemporary jazz, it's like, no, you're, you're kind of hiring me for that bass sound. Yeah. You know, you, you can kind of just have one bass and that be your sound and that's you, you know, right. you're not trying to really emulate a, a record or a vibe or anything like right, that. Right, right, right. So are you listening to a record when you're, yeah. you know, trying to decide you're listening to the record? And- yeah, yeah, usually. And I mean, you know, in most cases, the artist doesn't really know or care. Like, right. I mean, I could get away with playing the Shania gig on one bass. I could play a five string jazz or something. And I'd be fine. Right. But I also with that gig, I can have uh, have several bases. Like we've got, you know, I've got a tech that can do handoffs with me mm-hmm. and maintain everything for me. Right. Um, there, there's never been like a limit as to how much gear I can store or anything like right. that. You know, so it's kind of like I, I, I can do different basses. So I do, um, I play, I play, you know, a few different forms of P basses on that gig, different tunings. There's a few that I, um, a few songs that I play a tune to step down oh, and they're gotcha. still P bass, but, but mm-hmm. they're like, you know, require low D. So, right. so I use, I use a P bass tune to step down for maybe like five songs. Mm-hmm. I use a standard tune P bass for some of the more traditional country stuff she does. That's maybe like three songs. And then I don't really love playing five string. Um, mm. I, I play it when I have to. But um, uh, a lot of the stuff with her was recorded in the 90s and it, and it has mm-hmm. that low stuff, you know, the, the low notes. So yeah. I play four strings that are tuned B-E-A-D. Oh. I've got two different four strings tuned B-E-A-D. Oh. Um, and then actually one, for a couple of the songs, they've been knocked down a half step, so they're in B-flat. So I tuned down to B-flat. Wow. Just so I can, like, on the end, hit, like, a thunderous low B-flat. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Um, That's cool. And it's like, yeah, like I said, like, I could get away with one bass on that gig if I wanted to, but... I don't, right. ha- I don't have to. Right. You know? Yeah. And for me, like playing some of the more rock stuff or country stuff with her, I, I want to play a P bass. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I have to play a P bass tune to step down, like that's, that's great. Got you. Um, and then with Gwen, yeah. there's kind of like two sounds basically like her solo stuff. A lot of it is like kind of, you know, more modern pop. And I play five string on that. I've got a, um, uh, music man, Sterling five that I play on that. Cool. Um, and that's just standard. And then like, yeah for emulating tony from no doubt i need to have something that's just standard tune that just kind of has a pretty you know aggressive tone yeah um so i'm, I'm playing a, a couple different fano uh four string bases gotcha on that um that's cool yeah but again it's like 
if I want to just play one five string on the whole Gwen gig, I could. She wouldn't know the difference. She wouldn't right. care. Right. But just because I can, I have a tech that, again, will handle mm-hmm. bases. Right. So yeah. because I can, like, you know, I, I use a few different things. Yeah. Cool. Got you. Yeah. And I um, I borrowed your four string on the air supply. I think oh, I, okay. I brought yeah. my five uh-huh. and then your four. I never played it. So I shouldn't say borrowed, but you offered. So I was like, well, I'll just have it there for the backup. Do you remember what you what songs you played that four string on versus the five? Or did you mostly play the four? I mostly played the four. And, and I would have played that, if it were just left up to me, I would have played that whole gig on a four. Because like okay. all the air supply hits, I mean, that was done in the 70s and 80s. Like yeah. that's all P-bass pretty much, you know? Right, right, right. But right. the guy who was on the gig before me, he was there for about 16 years. And it was all five string and right. a lot of low, low, low stuff that I... Like I would have approached it differently mm-hmm. uh, but because they were used to that. I had to come in with the five string. So there were right. some tunes that I felt I could just get away with playing four string. Like I lost in love was one. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I was wondering, I guess it's all a blur at this point. Yeah. It's but, a weird uh, question anyways. But, so I, I just tried to get away from the five string thing. Mm-hmm. Even with them, I played my bases tuned down. I played a, my, my P bass was a, it was that Mulan P bass. Oh. That was tuned, um, tuned a step down, and my five string was a step down as well. Oh wow! And that was just because they had like, I think one or two songs that had like a low. It was an A or B flat, and I just thought it was cool as hit hit that thunderous yeah. low note at the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, they're I, very much about low end. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But but I tried. You know, I I don't. I don't love staying in that register on a five string. Like I said, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I play five string when I have to. Mm-hmm. So like I kind of got away from that, but I, I couldn't get away from it completely. Yeah. Like they were so used to that. Mm-hmm. The guy who had been doing it was there 16 years. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to come in with something completely new. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the tricky part about, you know, coming in to any situation. It's like, there's the record. Do they want it like that? Or is it, there's the old bass player who's been there, but do yeah. I do it like that? And it's like figuring out the balance between, yeah. and then where are you in all of this? You yeah. Know, and, and, a, and, and I always ask that when I start, yeah. start gig, like what, what did you like or dislike about the guy before? Right. You know, cause they might be like, oh, he played that five string all the time. I hated it. Then I, right. you know, then I would have been like, okay, four string. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I think with their supply was probably like, you know, I just kind of asked and they, they were kind of indifferent, but the MD Aaron was probably like, well, well they're kind of used to this. Maybe, tr- you know, try to stay with that. Right. Um, but, you know, with like Shania or Gwen, like they don't really, really know or care, you know, as, yeah. as long as it sounds like the record. You know? Right. So um, you had a solo album a while back. I did about 10 years ago, which I thought was really Crazy. great. I actually listened to it today just oh, to, thank you. to remember again, oh, great thanks. players and stuff. And I remember like watching you at Cafe Cordial one night and, and buying a eight track <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which well, is I did. totally well, a great just, idea. Yeah, it was just like a packaging thing. It was like I had these download cards uh-huh. that um, the artwork interfaced with the with the labels that I had made for these eight tracks. Mm. So the eight tracks weren't my, like my music wasn't on the eight track. Ah, the eight awesome. track was just fancy packaging for the for the right. download card. Because so I remember I, you handed it to me, and I'm like, I don't know what's on it, but here, here's an eight yeah, track. yeah. I mean, I just bought like <laughs> I just went to the thrift store by my house and like bought all the eight tracks they had, oh, and then so just cool. put my own labels on them. I had a, a, a graphic designer make labels, oh, that's so. Cool. I just put the labels on the eight track, affixed the uh, download card to it, and then shrink wrap that. I got a little shrink wrapper, and uh, it was just kind of a fun way <laughs> to like awesome. fun way to package it. You know? Yeah, totally. Oh, that yeah, was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a great record too. Oh, thank a lot you. of great players. Thank you. Um, yeah, Steve Ferroni was on that. I had him do one track. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. 
Yeah. How did that happen? Well, I, I had Brian Auger, uh, the uh, B3 oh, organ yeah, player yeah, yeah. on it. He, I toured with Brian for years. And Steve right. Ferroni was was in Brian's band, uh, Brian Auger's Oblivion Express. Steve, oh, cool. Steve was a drummer. Steve and right. Brian are real tight. And I I hadn't done much playing with Steve. I think maybe I did one record with him or something, maybe a gig or something. But um, because I was going to have Brian on this one track, it was kind of a Brian feature. I kind of wanted to get Steve on it because, you know, just have some of that yeah. you know, old school Living Express vibe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Steve came in and played that one so track cool. with Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. I mean, tons of great players. Check it out. It's called Let the Games Begin. But yeah. you also told me the other day, I don't know if you're announcing this, but you're that you're working on a new record. Yeah. Yeah, I've been been writing during quarantine. Um, nice. It's always been in the back of my mind that I need to do another another solo project, and this is a good time to do it. So I've just been kind of kind of writing when I feel creative. That hasn't been every day, but like you know when when it's flowing, I've been coming up with some tunes and already set a date. Already hired a producer oh, in a studio, awesome. and I'm really stoked. Jim Scott is going to produce it. He like produced all the Tedeschi Trucks band records. Oh, and, nice. Uh, did some stuff with like Tom Petty and Wilco and like tons of people. His resume is like. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Um, and I did. I did one session at his studio uh, about a year ago. Just did a record as a as a session player, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. It's just like a playground of vintage gear. And I was kind of like, you know what? When it comes time <laughs> to do a record, I want to call Jim and see if we can make something happen. And luckily, he was he was into it. So uh, I think we're going to go in at the end of June, beginning of July. And uh, crank, oh, that's awesome! Crank, crank this out. So then yeah. you'll have to come back on. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll play some tracks and uh Yeah, I would love you know. to. So is it gonna be the same kind of more jazzy stuff or it's it's gonna be instrumental kind of um instrumental groove kind of stuff. Um mm. kind of similar to like some of the some of the groove albums that John Schofield did, like John Schofield band, like Uber Jam, uh mm-hmm. Bump. There's two albums that have been kind of an influence. Um obviously it's gonna be a little bit more bass focused. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to have some elements of like instrumental government mule and black crows, like some of that kind of like Southern rock bluesy kind of stuff as well. Um, cool. All old school vintage, like, you know, P bass. Like I'm not, mm. I'm not doing any slapping on it or anything. It's right. all going to be pretty, pretty old school kind of stuff. So do you yeah. slap much anymore? Um, I don't think really. that I've slapped on a gig for yeah. maybe 10 years. It's, even. It's, kind of, it's, kind of go, it's kind of gone out of style everywhere except the smooth jazz world. Yeah, right, it is, yeah. Slapping is alive and well in the smooth jazz yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. 
but, but it's like you spent so much time learning how to do it. Yeah. And yeah. now it's just like, I don't yeah. even remember the last time I, I had to do I it. I know. I, I mean, I got really, I got really into it for a while. Like, I mean, I, Marcus yeah. Miller is still one of my favorite yeah. players ever and Larry Graham. Yeah. Um, and so I incorporated some of that on my first album, but this, this album, I'm not, yeah, I'm kind of in a different place. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just not, um, it's not in style anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like people always make fun of it now. Yeah. You know? Now it's like, oh, you know, that, that's old music. I know, kind of, yeah. yeah. Like slapping and fretless are like two things that that, yeah. that are fun, that I've spent a lot of time on, but are just not in style right now. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I think like kind of the old school, old school groove stuff will never really go out of style. Yeah. You know, a P bass with yeah. flat wounds will never go out of style. Right. Exactly. You know? I know. I got to get one of those. More gear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. The recording thing is where it really gets fun to me to start switching up and you know i got plugins for days so all kinds of different yeah. amps i can use and a couple in cool. here you know yeah um but i don't know the live thing i guess i'm just lazy about it really i just want to go out and just have it there and just play and go home well, <laughs> well luckily i mean like the way technology is now like that's that's easy to do like you can bring a kemper or a line six helix yeah. with you and get mm -hmm. pretty much any sound yeah any sound you can imagine you know like i, I use kempers on the on the gwen and shania tours i mean do you have are, any cabinets at all? No, just wow. offstage Kempers. And man, those things sound so good. Yeah. It's a magic box. It can sound like any amp or any effect. Yeah. yeah they're great. And it's like so you can cool. take that to any gig, like any local gig. You can just bring bring a little Kemper with you and have every sound you need, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, thanks for coming, man. Man, it's a uh, pleasure. Pleasure hanging out and chatting. Yeah. And as bass players, we don't, you know, I mean, you you tend to entertain sometimes, so I, I get to see you, but it's not like we... But in under, general, bass players don't hang... Yeah, we, we don't, never... Yeah, we don't end up on a gig together. Yeah, we're not on a tour yeah, together, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. it's uh, it's always a pleasure um, being able to talk to you and talk cool. bass and talk Likewise. music. So, Likewise, um, man. And I think you have a lot to offer because you're super successful and you've come out to LA and done it. Do you feel like you've made it? No. No? No. I feel like any musician you ask, like, yeah. I mean, we'll say the same thing. Like, I... I I feel good about where I've gotten. Like I've gotten mm -hmm. to where I wanted to be. You know, yeah. like I came here just kind of wanting to tour the world with with big pop stars or big bands, and I've gotten to do that. You know, but mm -hmm. I want to keep doing it. You yeah, know, I don't yeah. feel like I've made. I don't feel like I've reached some pinnacle where I'm like, oh, I can stop now. Right. I mean, sure, I could. I mean, I can look back saying, you know what, I had some great experiences and played with some great people, and that was great. But I don't feel like I've like reached the top or made it you know yeah i feel like i've just um i've gotten to a point in my career where i want to be and i just want to keep i want to sustain it i want to keep doing it yeah you know yeah i think that's that's true too and it's funny because you look at some guys and you're like lee sklar or something and you're like this guy must never worry about anything because he's been on every record and he's got mm -hmm. this great career but i'm sure there's days when he's like i don't have a gig and you know it's like it I, oh sure i, I yeah. think that's the nature of being a professional musician you're sort of never done you know, I, I also used to say it's like they don't tell you, yeah, you got to pay your dues, but they don't tell mm -hmm. you that you never really stop paying your dues. It's true. You know, and you it's can true. go from playing a stadium of 20,000 people to playing some dude's backyard party in a week. You Absolutely. Know? And, yeah. and then back to the stadium. And it's like, that's mm -hmm. really what it is. Right? Yeah. But I think it comes down to just the fact that we all love to play. You know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't come out, I didn't come to LA to make it. I came to LA mm -hmm. to play music, you oh, know? That's and cool. I think, um, I think most, most musicians will say the same thing. Like they didn't come here to like get famous or get rich. You know, right. maybe some, maybe some did, but yeah. I think just the bottom line is we all just came out here to play and make whatever we could happen, happen, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, and that's, sure. that's kind of the, the bottom line. Like I, you know, if I'm not on tour playing stadiums, like I would love to go do a fun bar gig and yeah. I, and I do that. Like yeah. I do that in town. Like I got a couple like just kind of local bar gigs, like 
dive bar gigs, like, right? You know, dive bar rock star stuff. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, that are just fun. I mean, I got to the point where um, the gigs I do, even if they're like bar gigs, they're fun with great people. Yeah, I'm not doing those gigs because I have to because I need the hundred bucks and right. you know. So there are certain bands and gigs that I yeah. want that I won't do that I kind of feel like I've I've been there done that. But and that's like, another great thing about LA is that you walk into any dive bar and generally the musicians are at a pretty well, high level. Yeah, that's the cool thing. It's like I've got, you know, tons of friends as you do too that are just, you know, touring professionals that will that will do fun bar gigs from time to time. And it's yeah. a, and it's a blast, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome, man. Well, you've definitely made it in my eyes. Oh, well, so. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming over. Thanks for being on the show. That and, was fun. Uh, we'll Let's see. do it again. All right. Sounds great. Sweet. I'm a Man, I tell you, Derek is one of the greatest guys and one of the most professional people that I've ever met or ever worked with or sort of for, subbing for him. Um, and I think that's my biggest takeaway or the thing that um, I loved about it, it, it. Derek is one of the most prepared people I've ever known. And sometimes that's enough just to get you the gig over a more well-known or maybe even a more skilled guy sometimes. I mean, Derek is extremely skilled, but that little edge of showing up knowing the material or charting it all out for people, um, it really can put you over the top as far as getting gigs. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about a job, you know, this is... Um, this is what it is. It's a job. People need you to do a job. So they don't always need the the most incredible, flashy player that has all the crazy chops. Um, it's really good to have those. Don't get me wrong. They're um, pretty important. But um, at the same time, preparedness is something that's often forgotten by some of the best guys. I mean, it's, I'm not going to name any names, but you'd be kind of surprised <laughs> at some of the people that, um, fail to just be prepared and just show up to the gig, man, and w ready to go. You know, it's such a tricky, weird thing. But Derek, uh, is just a really fabulous guy when it comes to all of that stuff. And he's a great hang and it was really great having him on the show. One thing I'd like to clarify is that Air Supply is really Graham Russell and Russell Hitchcock, and they have a, a band that they're they're loyal to and stuff. But when we were saying those guys are them, I think we were mostly talking about those two guys who founded the band and uh, wrote all the songs and sang all the songs. Uh, but they have a fabulous band. Aaron McLean is their musical director, so definitely go see them. But just just wanted to clarify that. I hope you enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed making it, and uh, we'll. Talk to you on the next one. I'm a star. Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com, and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams. <laughs>